coming up on this episode of That Change Show. Well, get in the car. There's no time! How do you get more time for change? Welcome back to That Change Show. I'm your host, Jason Little. And before I get started, there's a couple of ways you can catch these episodes. If you're watching the video version, you can catch the audio versions at thatchangeshow.com. And we're basically on every platform, every podcasting platform that's out there. And the reverse is true. If you're listening to this in your favorite podcast application, you can catch the video versions at leanchange.tv. So, This is a 15-minute weekly show where I take your questions from Lean Coffees and workshops all around the world and try to give you some helpful information to hopefully jiggle your change loose. So um, this episode was from a Lean Coffee session I did a couple of weeks ago, but it's been a common question that I've been asked a lot over the years. So the specific question for this one was, how do we get time to do a change canvas in time-poor organizations. So people go through the workshop, they see the strategic canvas, they're like, this is so much better than the way we do stuff now, which is correct. But then they try to figure out, how do we sell it? How do we get more time to get people to do this? So I'm going to share a few tips for, you know, I guess you could say, how do we get more time in organizations? But we're also going to kind of flip the bit on that no time thing. So the first one is challenging our perception about what no time actually means and where it's coming from. You could say that whenever a change is brought into an organization, it's one more thing on the top of the pile that people have to deal with. And when they say they don't have time, we might go to, well, they're resisting change or, you know, they don't have uh, awareness and desire to do the change and some of these things that just don't really make any sense. When it really can just be their brains are full. They're thinking about the day-to-day stuff that they're working on. And this change is now just one more thing that's distracting them and splitting their focus between multiple things. So if we start to think less about, hey, we don't have time to do this, and more, what other friction exists and how are we choosing to prioritize our work? Um, we can start to have a better conversation because there might be lots of other competing changes that are happening in the organization especially in large organizations where you might have, you know, an agile COE, an innovation COE, a digital transformation office, a change management team, an organizational development team, an HR, and you've got all of these groups and teams that are, that, that are competing for the same time and attention from people. There's going to be things that are competing with each other. So is there a way that you can kind of step back and visualize and map out what are all these things that are competing for people's thinking time Once you have that visualized and out there, then you can start to look at prioritization, which is the real problem. So if the change isn't happening because people say they have no time, it's because as an organization, we're choosing to prioritize other things. So we need to have a bit of a different conversation. Once we have an idea about where this no time mantra is coming from, we can do something about it. So we can use a technique called piggybacking. And this is inspired from Professor BJ Fogg, who created the Fogg Behavior Grid and the Fogg Behavior Model. That's been part of our workshop for, geez, seven years now. And the interesting part about it is you try to piggyback something new onto something that already exists. When we bring change into organizations, we tend to add something new onto the pile. So this is especially true in Agile organizations. So if we're going to transform to Agile, we've got these 10 project management practices, processes, artifacts, ceremonies, whatever that we do today. Now we're going to add five more Agile things on top of it. So now people are doing 
doing 15 different things instead of what we should be doing, which is try to figure out how some of these five new things can take away some of those old things and we can decommission some of those old things. So piggybacking is about how do we add new things onto existing things. A couple of examples. The first one's a story from the book where our IT change team had a hard time getting people's time to cut their change records. So if they were going to do a deployment and go into production, there's a process that has to be followed. And they were always nagging people to go through this process because nobody wants to do that stuff, right? It's just get my release out. I don't care. You, you worry about that. So they were pretty frustrated. And we already had people in a stand-up meeting three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So 9 to 9.15, we would get 25 to 35 people, depending on the day, all talking about risks, issues, and blockers with programs and projects that were going on. So we decided, all right, well, why don't we just piggyback a new change stand-up on top of that? So on Mondays, we would do the 9 to 9.15, and then as we wrapped up, we would say, okay, if you did a deployment over the weekend, can you stick around for five minutes? If you've got one going this weekend, can you stick around for five minutes? We created a big visible change wall, and then we let the IT change people run it. So we weren't asking for a lot. We weren't trying to schedule people with a new meeting and sending out calendar invites. We already had them there in a behavior that they liked. They liked that stand-up. They found it to be more helpful than how they would coordinate work before. So we just added something on top of it, and it really didn't take a lot of time or energy for people to do that. The second example is something I've done a lot in my career, and that is basically beg for time on existing meetings. You know, every management team, you know, scrum team, product team, leadership team, they've got a weekly or bi-weekly or monthly standing meeting that they already use. So I would just beg to take the last 15 minutes of it. So whatever change we were working on, I would just say, hey, you know, do you guys do a weekly stand-up or retro or whatever? And they would give me an idea about those meetings that they would have. And I would say, okay, well, you know, we're working on this change, whatever this might be. Can we take the last 15 minutes of it just to come in and, and, and talk to you guys about the services that we offer and things that we can do? More often than not, they will say yes. But the good thing is you've already got a pre set behavior that people are already doing. They're already expecting to go to this meeting, uh, whether it's virtual or in person, it doesn't really matter. And then you're just trying to piggyback the energy on top of that without adding something new. You'll probably notice that the theme of this episode is really prioritization. It's not about how to make more time. But this ritual inventory technique is a really interesting one to try to help people understand where their actual time is going in the first place. So I first learned about this from a scrum master who was replacing me on a team. So we had actually hired my replacement. Um, this was a number of years ago. And the first thing that she did was she created an inventory of all the things the team had done. That included number of releases, list of all the ceremonies, you know, escape defects, how many sprint reviews have happened, how many stakeholders exist, how many times were things deployed, etc. Made a big list of stuff before they actually started changing anything. So instead of coming in and saying, well, oh, you're not doing 15-minute stand-ups, you're doing 17-minute stand-ups, I have to change that. She wanted to understand basically what was going on now 
and then figure out with the team how they could change and evolve. So I like to call this a ritual inventory because a lot of these times in organizations, the things that we do, the meetings we go to, they're just, we just do out of habit. So we get an invite, we click accept and we just go. And we never really get an opportunity to think about the intention of some of these things. So ritual inventory is pretty simple. And uh, the example that I'll give is an organization where I was brought in to help a team be more agile. So this was a pretty big program. This is probably about a thousand people, I don't know, 25, 30 teams in total and a few vendors. And uh, they really wanted to figure out how to make that agile. And the leaders brought me in because that was their perception of the problem. Stuff isn't getting done because they're not agile enough. We need to bring a coach in. And when I met with the, the, the people on the teams, their biggest problem was too many meetings. So uh, they didn't feel like they had any time to do some of these new things. So what we had done is we created a list of all of the ceremonies. We didn't do artifacts and all that type of stuff. We just said, okay, what are all the meetings and stuff you attend? So each of these product owners, they had you know their, their regular stand-ups with their teams. Then they would do a scrum of scrums, which was basically a subset of people on all the teams would get together at a higher level and then orchestrate work between different teams. Then they had like a product approval and change process that they had to do. Then they had the stakeholder updates and they had the sprint reviews and they had a list of all these different types of things. And because the process said that they have to attend them all, they were all attending them. It would be very common for these 12 product owners to spend an entire day just going to stand-ups or just going to sprint reviews or other things like that. So we made a great big list of this. On the left-hand side and across the top, we made a list of all of the committees and teams and people. So, you know, like any big organization and these big programs, there's always like a change advisory team, there's a core product team, there's a risk team, there's a whatever. So we made uh, all of those across the top and then inside the grid, we started to mark off, well, how valuable are these things from zero to 10 for me personally and who actually needs to attend them? Once we had created this, long story short, they ended up deferring decisions on at least three or four of those meetings to somebody they were calling now the chief product owner. So they realized, you know, I don't have to attend every single standup. You know what teams are going to be impacted by some of these features and some of these changes. I'm going to defer my decisions to you. If you need me, pull me in. So because we made all that stuff visible, it helped people realize that we weren't really helping them get their time back. We were helping them figure out, number one, where their time was going and how they could prioritize things better. So once you can visualize those things, it's it's... You know, it seems like it's magic, but it's really not because we don't really talk about those things. Like I said, you get a calendar invite, you hit accept, you don't really think about it. You go, well, they know better than me. If they think I need to be here, then I guess I need to be there. All right, so just to get into the wrap up, the question I always ask myself when I'm up against this no time problem is whatever the change is, how do we do this today? If it's about coordinating work, what do we do today? Use a ritual inventory. What are the things that we do today that accomplish the same thing that this new thing is supposed to accomplish? And how can we displace or how can we piggyback on top of it? 
So it's really an exercise in trying to understand what's going on in the organization before just piling on more activities and things onto people's plates. So if you've got some ideas about how you've created more time for people in organization, if you're watching this on leanchange.tv, drop those in the comments below or head over to thatchangeshow.com. You can contact us through there. And we'd love to hear some of the tips and ideas you have for getting people more time when they feel like they don't. I'm your host, Jason Little. Thank you so much for watching. Remember to hit that like and subscribe button if you're watching on leanchange.tv or follow and subscribe to us in your favorite podcast reader. We'll see you next time.